Hello, everyone. Welcome in to another episode of Capturing the Game. It's the Game Within the Game podcast featuring me, your, your co-host Desmond Jones, and Brady, the other co-host. Uh, just a reminder that Capturing the Game is sponsored by Capital Sports Agency, where our CEO and founder is Chantel Smith-Jones. All right. Now that I've got the introductions out the way, today, we're going big time, y'all. Today, we are bringing in the writer, the digital features at ESPN it is no other than Katie Barnes. Katie, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Excited to have you on Capturing the Game. Uh, Brady, how are you doing? Even though I just spoke to you five minutes ago, it feels <laughs> no, like. <laughs> no, we're doing, we're doing great today. Uh, it's great. Great evening, great afternoon, and we're just happy to have Katie on today. And I'm ready to get into this podcast, see what we got going. Oh, that's right. Katie, can you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So um, as you mentioned, I'm a writer in the digital features group at ESTN. Um, so I write a lot of long stories, I guess is the best way of putting it, uh, where I get to go in depth um, with a lot of different subjects, um, whether we're talking about individual athletes and profiles or um, like more broad topics and policy and law and stuff like that are things I like to talk about. Uh, but as far as like who I am beyond that, you know, I grew up in a really small town in Indiana, uh, like any good Hoosier, I played basketball growing up. Um, and so that, you know, was always um, just sort of like my love. That's my favorite sport. Um, and, uh, you know, I sort of wound my way to ESPN, sort of fell into journalism. Um, but yeah, that's just a little bit about me and who I am and what I bring to the table. Um, so what made you want to get into writing? Like what interest like what sparked the passion for that you know it's really funny I have been writing ever since I was a kid in different ways although I always like resisted being categorized as a writer um but I started writing Grey's Anatomy fan fiction when I was like 16 years old what a time wow. <laughs> and I wrote fan fiction all the way up through college and into grad school and then I retired and it's all deleted off the internet you cannot find it do not try um and uh, yeah so I you know I guess I sort of got into writing that way um and I really liked the community that came from it um I liked the challenge of fan fiction a lot um, I want to think about who I am as a writer now. Actually, a lot of who I was as a fan fiction writer has actually come over. It's pretty funny. Um, but that's sort of how I got started. And then, you know, when I was in college, I majored in history, Russian studies, and American studies. And I had a minor in women and gender studies, which just means I wrote a lot of papers, like so many papers, so much research. Um, and I read a lot of stuff and I had to analyze it. I had to synthesize it. Um, so all skills that I use in my job now. Um, and then when I went to grad school, I got my master's degree in student affairs and higher education with the concentration in diversity, equity, and culture. And again, it was just a lot more writing <laughs> and more reading and more synthesizing and analyzing. And so I had sort of started like accidentally just kind of writing on the side, like I'd written a few columns at Outsports, and then I was offered a column uh, writing about sports and pop culture at feministing.com. So I did that for about six months, decided I did not want to go to grad school, um, and then sort of literally fell into a job at ESPN. And then the editor-in-chief of ESPNW asked me to pitch her, and I did. And I just kept writing for them a little bit on the side, and then they hired me full-time, and the rest is history. 
Yo, your story is incredible. It's wild. Uh, <laughs> it is. And uh, look, I hear you on the grad school stuff because I, I recently just finished my my master's in engineering management. So mm. I hear you on just the, the analysis part. I hear you on the just the, the paper writing part. Uh, but even though you probably write books, which is way more <laughs> compared to what I do, but uh, I, I understand I understand a good portion of it. <laughs> yeah, what? Well, a lot of writing. Yeah, Brett, you about to say something? No, no. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely a lot of writing. Uh, so that kind of leads us to the next question is, you know, what has it really like truly been like uh, being a writer and a journalist for ESPN? Um, it's been a lot of fun. You know, yeah. it's a really cool job. Like, you know, writing itself is really hard. Um, I won't lie about that. I am just like an angsty mess whenever I'm on deadline and like I'm writing something. Um, and so that part of the job is hard, but a lot of it is just amazing. I get to like write about stuff that I think about all the time anyway, um, getting to spend time with athletes. And I think one of my favorite things about the kind of writing that I do is that it takes real time and quality time with the athletes that I'm writing about. So, you know, I'm not going to get what I need from like a 10 minute interview, like right before a game or something, uh, you know, in the before times, like <laughs> pre COVID, you know, I would go and spend three days with a person um, and like really get to know them and just kind of, you know, pop into their life. Um, and I still do that in different ways. Now it's just a lot of phone interviews. Um, and so in that sense, like, I just think it's super dope. Uh, just sort of thinking about sports, thinking about the way that culture intersects with sports, um, thinking about gender, all of these things that I would all automatically be doing. Um, I just kind of get to do and have it be my job. It's a little surreal. I'm not going to lie. If you told like 13 year old me that this is what I was doing, I would like probably freak out and faint. I don't even know. <laughs> I would faint. That's just me. You know. <laughs> I already know the answer. No, no, for sure. So what, like you say, you, you spend, you spend days with them because you want to get the, the real authentic self of the people that um, you're interviewing and writing these stories on. What is one of the most challenging parts of doing that? Just like being able to spend, like have, spend that much time. And what is some of the things that you notice while speaking with people that they might not open up to right away or that it takes some time for them to open up? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the most challenging things is, you know, navigating people trusting you, right? Like, you know, when we do these kinds of pieces, you and I mentioned, I spend all that time, whether it's, you know, on the phone with them, asking them a bunch of very personal questions <laughs> that they typically wouldn't talk about with strangers um, or, you know, being in their house and like following them around and watching their every move for a couple of days. Um, you know, it takes a lot of trust uh, in order, like from, and like from a subject in order to do that with me. And so, you know, I'm always mindful of that as I am writing, you know, I don't really want to betray someone's trust in that way. And it doesn't mean that like, I want every single athlete that I write about to be satisfied or happy with the piece, like, you know, I'm not in PR. Um, but, you know, I always strive for fairness. Um, I never want a subject to regret, um, you know, opening up to me if it's that kind of story, if that makes sense. Um, and so I think that's one of the hardest things. Um, mechanically, you know, it's just really hard to be on like that. You, know, you have to, like in those interviews, you, know, you have to have a plan, you have to be attentive and aware 
um, asking follow-up questions, um, you know, right now, you know, being in COVID and not being able to spend that time with people, it's really hard to get like those nice scenes that really anchor a long form piece. And so being aware of when that opportunity can come in a phone interview and then being able to drill down and get everything that you need to, in order to recreate that scene can be really, really hard. And so I think just like always being aware of those various, um, just like the various like pieces of a story that you're going to need to get and, uh, you know, being able to pursue that in the moment, whether you're in person with someone or you're on the phone with them, like all of that's just deeply, deeply challenging. Yeah. Yeah. I can definitely imagine with that. Is there any uh, stories or any um, interactions um, while doing these like interviews that have stuck out to you or that maybe are your favorite that you've uh, been a part of or any connections you've grown um, through doing this? Oh. Oh man, that's a really good question. <laughs> I think one of my favorite, um, I guess like one of my favorite things was one of my very first features. It might've actually been my first feature. It was on Jesse Graff, who is an American ninja warrior um, and a stunt woman. And this is from years, years ago. And I spent like three days with her in LA and we did a whole bunch of stuff that didn't make it into the piece. But one of the things that we did is we went down to Muscle Beach in Santa Monica and she was hanging out with another ninja, Travis Brewer, and they were just flipping on stuff and running in the sand. And it was just like this wild thing where I was just like, okay, one, I am definitely in California. And two, like people just do this. Like it was just, it was such a display of like raw athletic talent. Um, in a way that I just, you know, I don't think we really get that sort of like unvarnished, um, like view into an athlete's life and their ability to perform. It's kind of like, I don't know, like if like LeBron just like went to go play pickup, if that makes sense, you just kind of got to be there for it. That's sort of how yeah. I felt. It was wild. No, that sounds like a wild experience as I'm sitting here watching people do flips and stuff. And I'm just like, Look, I can, I'm just glad that I can walk forward without tripping over my feet occasionally, you know, let alone just witnessing people do flips like it, like it's, it comes naturally to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were doing wild stuff, like things that I'm just like, oh my God, please don't die. Like, and it was just like a normal afternoon. It was like a Tuesday. I was like, what? Oh, crazy. Man. What's, um, so what's some of the best advice that you can give to someone that is aspiring to be a writer right now? Hmm. Um, two things. One was something, was a piece of advice that was given to me that I think about a lot, um, which is to write fearlessly. Um, I think, you know, sometimes you can kind of get in your own head about, is this the right thing? Is this going to be an impact? Is this going to make an impact? Like, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And to just check the fear at the door and, um, you know, write what's on your mind and on your heart. I think that's really important. And just like not worry about what other people are gonna say, obviously, except for your editors. <laughs> I think the other piece of advice that I would give is to be relentless. Um, you know, the media industry is really hard and being a writer is really hard. Um, but I often think about how, you know, it just takes a lot of focus and drive to finish something. 
whether that's a job application or a story that you've been working on or a book, if you're writing one, like before you can even have a conversation about whether or not something is good or meaningful, it has to be done. And so to just like pursue something relentlessly, I think is really important to find that drive and always be pushing forward and finish what you start. Um, but also like, no matter what it is that's on your checklist, um, but also just keep persevering and going after these things. Um, I think that's just really, really important. Yeah, for sure with that, because I know the finishing one thing at a time, I, I know I get to that point where I have multiple different things going on at one time and I want to do all of them at the same time, but then realizing that, oh, that's not going to happen or not visibly possible. So I, I like I like those pieces of advice that you gave um, about when striving for one thing and then trying to see that through um, to the end. Um, so even with that, so how has the digital age affected the way you write stories? So people seeing them online and stuff, how has that um, changed the way you write? Or if it hasn't, um, what is like different about it? Well, you know, I think I'm in general a digital person. Like the entirety of my career has taken place online. Um, and back when ESPN was printing a magazine, you had a couple of stories that went into the magazine. Um, and there's something kind of special about that. But in general, you know, I've always written online. And I think it presents um, both unique challenges and opportunities. You know, you don't have to fit a story to a word count in order to fit it on a page, whether we're talking about a magazine or we're talking about a newspaper. So there's like a little bit more freedom there. And I think that's exciting. Um, but it also just, you know, you can play with form in ways that I think are equally exciting. You know, not everything has to be five, 6,000 words. Um, sometimes 800 word punchy column is going to do wonders and that kind of stuff goes socially viral. And so I think it's really important to know how to do that as well. Um, but for me, like those are the things that I think about um, from a digital perspective. I don't know that it is necessarily affected my writing so much like in terms of like having me like change from one thing to another um so much as I think like growing up professionally writing um on the internet has just sort of shaped how I think about words um in that regard yeah I think just the um the fact that you was able to grow up with the digital age versus some of the, I'll say the the older figureheads, you know, it was always, you know, uh, paper, and, paper and writing and stuff. So just you having the ability to kind of grow up with the digital, I'm sure a lot of things just came, came natural to you. Yeah, I would think so too. Um, and I think like that, you know, having grown up and just sort of, you know, seeing how that digital landscape has changed over the course of my life, I think also sort of opens me up to other um, opportunities and avenues for discovering stories and you're just kind of like going with the flow. Um, you know, like there are a lot of folks um, who are my age even uh, who have no interest in even seeing like what TikTok is all about. But like, I think that's important. Like, I'm not gonna put a story on TikTok that doesn't really make any sense for me. But like, sometimes there are like, there are things that are happening on TikTok that take days to get to Twitter. Um, mm -hmm. And so just being aware of how young people are having conversations and how those conversations are growing and changing and what platforms they're on and how to use those platforms. I just think all of that's really important. 
It is important. And I, I believe me and Brady are younger than you, but even we don't even want to deal with TikTok. So don't feel alone. <laughs> it's it's some good stuff that's on there, but like me and my wife was trying to uh we was trying to make a dance video. New flash to everyone. I can't really dance. But I was, you know, trying my hardest to make a video and um yeah, it didn't really turn out too good. So did you get yeah, one no, no. You get one made though? No, we, we didn't. Oh. I could I couldn't I couldn't get the dance moves down, let alone oh, how to how to record it. So you gotta pick one, a very easy TikTok dance. And two, I don't actually create content. Like I have an account on TikTok, but I don't create stuff. I just like scrolling and seeing what everybody else is doing. And stuff is so funny. Like I just love it. I get new ideas for games to play with my siblings. Um, when we're all together, um, I laugh a lot. Like I just, I really enjoy it. The algorithm gives me what I need to feed my soul. And I appreciate that. That That is the beauty behind TikTok. And I know one time when I was uh, sitting with my wife, when she first started uh, being on TikTok, uh, she was scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. I went to sleep. I crashed. It took me another new flash. It doesn't take me long to go to sleep. I woke back up. She's still scrolling and scrolling. I'm like, what is going on over here? Like, let's, let's, let's get up. Let's go do something. <laughs> oh yeah. No, I have like hard limits. Cause otherwise I'll just lose like three hours. Like you don't even realize that you're just scrolling and laughing and sending videos to people. I enjoy it very much. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what happened too. Mm-hmm. Um, going into the sports a little bit, what's been your thoughts of the, uh, the WNBA so far this year? Uh, we're kind of like a little bit past the halfway point and everything is going on at the Olympic break right now. Uh, at the current time we're making this, we're, we're talking about this podcast, but uh, what's been your current thoughts on the WNBA season so far? Oh man, it's been a dope season. Like <clears throat> it's been really interesting. I think it's very clear that there is, um, you know, sort of that top tier of teams where you've got the storm, the aces and the sun. Um, and then, and the links might play their way into it. We'll see what happens. But you have like those three teams. You kind of have like just, you know, really almost the rest of the league with the exception of like the fever, which always makes me sad, um, who can like win on any given night. You know, they're just kind of beating each other up. And like, it's been a really fun season just to watch folks play and play at such a high level. And I think just like feel the energy around the league, like, I've watched so many games and I just love it. And I love how, you know, the beginning of the season, you had teams like Minnesota and Chicago really struggling for various reasons. And now they're playing their way like near the top of the standings. I think it's that dynamic is going to really, really matter uh, come playoff time. And I think seeding is going to matter a lot. Um, You know, whoever gets that fourth seed, um, is going to be in a much, much better position than, of course, you know, being in those one game playoffs. So um, I think the stakes are pretty high and I'm like super into it. I think it's been dope. Yeah, I think it's definitely uh, been dope. And I think you mentioned two teams with the, the links in the sky with them struggling, how they start off the season to where they are now, you know, with, you know, health reasons or whatever that was going on with teams. I think the transformation in those particular teams has been good. I am sad about my, my fever. You know, it's been it's been a rough going, although I'm you know, still going to support them no matter what. But man, it's been a, it's been it's been tough. Yeah, it's been a it's been a rough stretch for the fever, the post catchings era. 
they haven't really been good since Catch retired, and that's that's just kind of a bummer. <laughs> that that is. Um, I would have thought maybe we landed some type of star or just something that kind of helped the franchise out, but uh, you know, just gonna be patient and see what happens <laughs> as it go along. What's uh, what was your thoughts on the All Star Game? So with the whole uh, Team USA versus you know, the, I say the the best of the the W. What's left after that? You know, what were your uh, thoughts about the uh, All Star Game? I mean, shouts to the WNBA All Stars for getting a win. Like yeah. I love that. Uh, you know, I love that it was so competitive. Um, I love that you know, Team W did not take their foot off the gas. Like they played for the win and they went for it and they played better. They deserved that win. Um, you know, I do think, I mean, we'll have to see, you know, it's tough to be like, oh no, is Team USA in trouble? Because it's, you know, Team USA, but I, there were some cracks, you know, like just poor execution down the stretch, you know, not great chemistry. And I think we showed, the, I think, you know, we saw that show up again against um, Australia. And so, um, I think it's generally going to be fine, but you know, it was a really, really fun game to watch. Um, and like Arika and Courtney Williams just like showed out and it was dope. Like just absolutely loved it. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope they do that all the time. Like, you know, they've done like scrimmages in that way, but it hasn't, I don't know if it's ever been labeled an all-star game. Um, and so I hope that like they continue to do that in, in um, you know, upcoming Olympic cycles. Yeah, I think, I think that's a fun, like a fun format for the athletes. You know, you you kind of put a chip on some of these athletes' shoulders that feels though they should have been on a team and kind of mm-hmm. got excluded from the team. And so uh, I think that just kind of draws their competitiveness against, you know, the other team that's, you know, supposed to be quote-unquote better. But, um, you know, things happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, that's all very interesting. Um, I'm not too into the W right now, so I like that you guys know all that. I'm not – you're getting me caught up on on what's happening. Um, but I had, a, I had a question earlier while we were talking about um, with the writing and the interviewing um, portion of trying to get your stories. So I saw that you um, were the executive producer for the 30 for 30, one of the shorts. Hmm. My question on that is how do you go about preparing the questions that you have for the people you're interviewing? How do you kind of make them like not sensitive, but try to like capture the full story, but without crossing like those lines or boundaries? For um, For, writing, for for film or? uh, just, uh, Just both in general, just like when you're getting your stories, your interviews, like even if it's just for a story or just for like, I'm a writing for like a, a blog or a journal. Like, how do you get those questions for them and try to make it, I don't know, less sensitive for them? Or like, I don't know, I'm trying to just like describe it, but. Yeah, no, I get it. I think, you know, one of the most important things about doing an interview is building rapport. Uh, so, you know, if I'm interviewing a subject and I know that there's going to be a couple of sensitive questions, I'm not asking those right out the gate. Um, you know, I think it's important. You sort of have to earn some of that, um, you know, through building rapport with the person that you're interviewing. And I think for me, like, I always have a plan. Um, I don't necessarily write out like a whole bunch of questions all the time, but I will generally sort of write out some questions. So I feel focused and I know what it is I'm looking for and can sort of guide 
the person I'm interviewing through the process as well. Um, and this is true whether we're on the phone or if you know we're doing an on-camera interview for TV, like for a cover story or something like that. And you know, through that, you know, I think it's really important to ask, you know, open-ended questions um, and also sort of give the subject room to breathe. So like, I don't get afraid of silence. Like I'll sit in it for a minute. Um, and this is true, especially if we're on camera um, because, you know, folks will get emotional and like, you shouldn't let them off the hook and interrupt if they're going to cry. Like you want them to cry. Um, and so like, that's, I think an important thing, but in terms of, you know, having that rapport and allowing folks to feel the emotion, whatever that emotion is. Um, but, you know, for me, I think I just try to approach each interview with a certain level of intention that is going to give me the best results, whether that is something that I need for a written piece or if it's something that we want to get visually um, or from a sound perspective for television. Um, and those things look a little bit different, uh, but overall, like the guiding principles pretty much apply no matter what. Okay, yeah, gotcha. I was just, I was just curious on that because sometimes when you're interviewing or talking to people, you, there's questions you want to ask, but then you don't like, you don't know if you, if you can ask for or not, but I'm glad that you brought that point up, just trying to get to know them first, to get in the rapport and letting, letting them be almost comfortable with you so that you can, if you get to those questions, you can ask them, so. <laughs> yeah that was like a, a consulting question for us <laughs> but um what's been some of your uh favorite sports to cover so far or even write about i would say women's basketball for sure um yeah. just because i was a women's basketball fan growing up and so there's like that's like something that's really special to me I think something that has surprised me that I have fallen in love with has to be MMA. Like, I love it. Um, I started covering it by accident and I miss it sometimes. I don't cover it as much anymore. And I'm like, I want to get back into MMA. Um, and so I think that's a sport that I've just come to really, really enjoy um, from a coverage perspective and from a storytelling perspective. Like, they're, you know, fighters have such interesting stories. Like, they are really not boring people. Um, and so having the opportunity to kind of be around folks and hear some of those stories, I think is really important and impactful. No, that's interesting. Uh, MMA, I can, I can picture MMA, especially with the fighters, because they have, I'm sure they have such a unique personalities with still having to have an edge to fight and have the discipline with them. And then also to still have some type of personality on the outside of, you know, that's outside the ring is also uh, probably interesting. What what made you, or how did you? I don't say not say fall in love, but you know, what gravitated you towards MMA? Um, so when Amanda Nunes choked out Misha Tate <laughs> and became the first out um, UFC champion, I was like, we should write about Amanda Nunes. This was like really early in my career, um, so it must have been like 2016, 2017, something like that. And I was like, we should write about Amanda Nunes. She's brown and gay. I'm brown and gay. Let's make this happen. Never written about UFC in my life. I had not actually watched a UFC fight at that point. And folks were like, sure. Yeah. Why don't you do that? Uh, no big deal. And uh, let's do it her next fight. And I was like, okay, 
Well, her next fight was against Ronda Rousey. So there was all mm. this hype for this fight. And it was on just one of the most legendary cards ever, honestly. And so there's all this hype around Ronda coming back and going to fight Amanda Nunes. And it was like, like, I got to go down to Florida and spend time with Amanda. We had a photographer, like the whole thing. And, you know, I just kind of had this feeling. I was like, man, she, I think she might beat Rousey. But everybody was so focused on Ronda Rousey coming back. And then Nunez knocks her out in 48 seconds. And all of a sudden folks are like, Katie Barnes, you can write about MMA. <laughs> Look at this profile you did. And I was like, totally. So I just kind of got sucked into it that way. And, you know, I did a couple of other smaller pieces, a couple other features. Um, and then I've written about Amanda a number of times. And so that has been kind of like, I mean, Amanda's really been my anchor in that world. Um, but I love it if there's like a really big like female fight that's on a card i'm much more likely to buy it um but i absolutely really enjoy watching it and then i you know i've played a number of ufc video games that actually really helps me understand the sport um in terms of understanding what's going on on the ground like it's easy to understand people punching each other and kicking each other like i get that but grappling was not something that was a part of like my sports lexicon or like understanding. Right. Um, and so I had to develop that and UFC video games are apparently quite successful in that. Yeah, no, they are. Uh, I know back um, in, the, in the earlier, like a couple of the uh, UFC video games, like the whole mechanism of grappling on the floor, just the stuff that you gotta, you know, worry about is like trying to pin to someone's arm or pin their leg or just uh, like anything that they can possibly do to try to reverse out of it. You mm -hmm. know, you gotta be aware of and kind of be able to either prepare for a counter. Uh, are you any good at UFC? That's like the game and stuff? Oh, I mean, UFC 4, I'm okay at. The early ones, those were so hard. Yeah. Like, it's really funny. Like the grappling system, I think in like, maybe it was like UFC 2. It was just crazy. I was like, I, I need a simplified version of this. I can't, absolutely not. Um, but I mean, I enjoy them. I Video games are a huge thing in my life. I very much love playing video games. I'm not particularly gifted at video games. I just like to sit by myself and compete against the computer. And I don't go online because then I get yelled at by like children. And I just like to be inside myself and do what I need to do and make myself happy. So that's sort of my philosophy with all games. Uh, you know, no, I go ahead, B. No, I was gonna say, I know, I feel that. I was gonna say, I was gonna ask what your favorite video game is that you play. Kind of curious. Oh, that, that's a loaded question. I think, I mean, right in general, I play a lot of FIFA. I love FIFA. I'll go just like on serious benders for days. Right now, I got the new Formula One game. Excellent. I'm loving it. It is a blast. Really, really enjoying it. And I don't like driving games at all. I'm terrible at them. I think they're awful. But this one, I really have come to enjoy. Um, but then I like, I just love like third person adventure games. Like I'm a huge fan of Assassin's Creed. I love Red Dead. Like, you know, I play triple A games. I'm very basic in that regard. But I don't know. I love them. I think the game I probably come back to the most that's not a sports game is just cause three because <laughs> you could just like jump out of planes and blow stuff up and shoot stuff like if i just need to get into a quick firefight to make myself feel better that's the game i love it 
Okay, I didn't know all that stuff happening in Just Cause 3, so I may have to go look at that. It's fantastic. Just Cause 4, trash. I hated it. I was so disappointed. I I hated that game. But Just Cause 3 is fantastic. And it runs really well on my PS5, so I'm a big fan. Okay, I'll, that was my next question. Are you gaming on, on PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. She looked at me like, I'm crazy. I love it. <laughs> I was like, who plays on Xbox in 2021? That's all I have to say. No, I'm uh, so um, I'm definitely like a game head. Like I love video games. Uh, Newsflash, I'm a nerd. But yeah, uh, most I play a lot of RPGs or JPRGs. Uh, And so I'm big into that. Occasionally, I play sports to try to make sure I try to keep an edge over my nephew. But I think he's definitely taking my throne for me. So he can he can definitely have uh, have that. But yeah, I definitely I play a lot of video games on my downtime when I get them. So I just finished uh, the Miles Morales Spider-Man. Yes. Um, excellent game. Excellent. Yep. So um, we're actually working through trying to, uh, to to platinum that right now. And then me and, the, me and a couple of my guys, we are we occasionally play FIFA online from time to time. So we, we go on runs where we like, yo, we doing good. And then as we working through our, our way through the divisions and stuff, we get to like five or four and we just kind of tap out <laughs> yeah fifa is no joke people are really good and like that's the thing about like playing online like folks are just really really good and i just i'm like more power to you really happy for you i don't have the time or the energy or the focus mm-hmm. or like just the baseline gamer skills to just be that good at games like i didn't mm-hmm. start playing video games regularly until i was definitely an adult like my mom would never let me have video games as a kid we had a playstation 2 that we got when i was like 14 and i loved it because we played well i mean we played a lot of stuff tony hawk pro skater love it um mm-hmm. you know we played guitar hero 3 one of the best games ever made and i actually have an old school wii specifically so i can play guitar hero 3 <laughs> fantastic Look, oh the wii was one of the like I'll say one of those uh, game systems that changed the way people video game, you know, with the whole uh, motion controllers, the way mm-hmm. that uh, definitely knew. And, you know, if every family had to have a Wii, like that was like a, a new requirement now. Mm-hmm. Every family must have a Wii so we can either play. Uh, for us nowadays, we just turn on the Wii, go play Michael Jackson experience. <laughs> uh, or whether it be just the Wii Sports that was on there. Mm-hmm. So it's also like... That was like a must, whether it just be the bowling or the tennis, whatever the yes. case may be. That was the reason why you turn on a Wii. Hundred percent. So, and I, I grew up with the, uh, uh, mostly the PlayStation for majority of the time. I tried to switch to Xbox, but every Xbox I, I had mm-hmm. kind of broke on me, so I just kind of stuck to PlayStation. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm such a loyalist. I think maybe if I had gotten an Xbox first then like that would have been fine but i got a playstation first and so that's what i've had forever see see yeah i've been there i had an xbox at one point in college and then i i wanted to play mlb the show and can play it on an xbox so i was like you know what i gotta trade the xbox in and i mean i started on a ps2 so i was like i gotta gotta go back and ever since playstation yeah i mean there's never been like a game that's been on xbox that i wish i could play and haven't been able to and I would be like really sad if I didn't have Horizon Zero Dawn or Spider-Man in my life, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the next game I'm going to play through. It's probably Horizon Zone uh, Zero. Oh. I probably I'm probably actually stream part of that, or at least most of it, if not. Uh, or I may play it offline. I don't know how I'm gonna go about doing that yet. That's a bear of a game. That's what I've heard and I've seen, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, but man, you could like lose just hundreds of hours. Okay, I'm looking forward to it, man. You just kind of hype me up for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that kind of wraps up our the first segment uh, part of our interview. So now we're going to go ahead and transition to our rapid fire. So rapid fire is our game within the game segment where we just kind of ask either or questions. So my question is for you is, are you ready to play? Obviously. Okay. 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 Alrighty. Um, chocolate chip or oatmeal raisin cookies? Chocolate chip. Okay. I, uh, I'm an oatmeal fan, but I've definitely, I have my moments where I've chosen chocolate chip cookies over oatmeal raisin uh yes i don't i am actually very skeptical of you as if your choice would be oatmeal raisin <laughs> what what is that uh, it's a cookie it's a great cookie it's a fine cookie it's like it's a cookie you know so it's not bad because it's cookie but yeah. it's not a good cookie Ah, uh, okay no. yeah, Wait, I'm, not gonna say, I'm not even gonna say my choice i'm not even gonna hold up I just took the knife on my back. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Man, like I said, I like chocolate chip cookies, but I could do an oatmeal, oatmeal one every, every now and then, but I guess I'll just gonna stay away from that topic now. Well, I'm just saying, if the option is chocolate chip or oatmeal raisin, like the choice is chocolate chip. If the choice is no cookie or oatmeal raisin, then sure, I'll have an oatmeal raisin. <laughs> Love that. So next one, do you, are you a TV show person or movies? Um, I mean, I like both, but I'm more, so you didn't ask this question, but I'll just answer the question I wanted you to ask. Um, <laughs> I enjoy television and movies, but I mostly enjoy stuff I've already seen. <laughs> so whether that's like, you know, reruns of the challenge, like I'll watch those all the time. Or if it's Bring It On, a movie I've seen like tens of thousands of times, I swear. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I more enjoy that stuff. Like give me reruns and it's just reruns of anything that I like um, rather than picking like either TV or movies. Okay. Yeah, right now, uh, me and my wife been going on a binge of uh, my wife and kids. Uh, other shows that we kind of currently watch now is like Chicago Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one show I was really, you know, of course, hyped about, but ended terribly is Game of Thrones. Naturally, yes. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I love watching Martin reruns. Uh, matter of fact, one of the first things that me and my wife did was watch Martin. When we first started dating, so <laughs> uh, uh, also grew up while always watching Fresh Prince of, ba- of Bel Air, and just having fun with that. Yeah, I'm a big fan of reruns and TV, but like right now, like I'm a big like MCU person, so I just finished Loki. Yes. Um, what you thought? What you think of Loki? Oh, I thought it was really good. I think it was the yes. best of the Disney Plus series so far. Yeah. Uh, I continue to be shocked at like how like 
weird and nerdy the MCU is right now and mm-hmm. how like people are just willing to go there like yeah. on mass like I'm a nerd so I really had no problems with, like time travel and weird stuff yeah. like whatever of, that's fine of course I'm here for but, it like, but like the fact that everybody else is go- doing that too I'm like mm-hmm. oh wow they've like really conditioned us to be in this like comic booky space and everybody's like team multiverse let's go mm-hmm. <laughs> I just think um, that's dope I think so too uh do you read any comic books as well or no I don't. I never got okay. into them. Uh, my dad really loves comic books. Okay. Um, and so I'm familiar with a lot of different storylines and story arcs in comic books, but I've never mm-hmm. like read them myself. I got you. Yeah, I didn't um, I didn't really start getting into comic books until roughly about three years ago. And so now I'm like, yo, I love the stuff now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but with that being said, what's the uh, top three stories that you have either written or covered your your top three that are mine yep oh god that's tough um that's what we like actually maybe it's not that tough so uh mac and andrea they are the champions that's what it's called story about two high school transgender athletes it's my first magazine story sort of like a career defining story um it's where the documentary came from i'm writing a book on a similar topic so it's kind of a, um, it's a really, you know, professionally important story for me, um, but also something that's um, something that I personally care very deeply about. Uh, Maya Moore, um, I spent 10 months on that story. It was um, also, I think, very professionally important for me, but, um, you know, something that personally I was really invested in and I really cared a lot about. Um, and so I was really proud of what that story became. Um, and, uh, you know, just to be, just to play a small part in telling, um, you know, the story of like what Maya has done in terms of, you know, freeing Jonathan Irons from prison, I think was just really dope. And third, I guess I'll see Elijah Clarendon, the cover story that I just did. Um, you know, for me to have the opportunity to write about a biracial non-binary person who spent time in Indiana, um, you know, was very personally affecting as a biracial non-binary person from Indiana. Um, but also just, you know, to have the opportunity to put a non-binary person um, on like an ESPN cover during Pride Month, like that was just really personally gratifying. Yeah, I can, I, I could definitely only imagine. Um, one of the, the last, the 30 for, I'm gonna come back to that in a second, but the, the 30 for 30, uh, that came out on Maya more it was in- incredible mm-hmm. and just uh the, the whole documentary everything I was tweeting about it I was like yo this is incredible right now uh but yeah so um one thing that I, I know that I didn't get a chance to really ask you about was you know how has being like a non-binary person affected your career um I think it's enhanced it you know yeah. like I think there are inherent challenges that come with being a marginalized person. Um, and that's true in any career. Uh, for me, I think what I have found is that um, in, a, in an industry that runs on networks and um, you know connections with other people, uh, and a lot of those are affinity-based, it's kind of hard because you know there's like a network of like black women right but it's like I'm not really a woman so I don't want right. to be in that space in that way and I'm mm-hmm. not thought of in that space um and so like 
you know, as like a black non-binary person, like it's sort of like a party of one. Um, and so there isn't always the best way to sort of plug in to the industry. And since I came from a non-traditional background, when it comes to journalism, I found that to be probably like the hardest thing about my career is sort of fighting against those feelings of isolation and um, really making a point of networking and sort of changing my own circumstance in that way. Um, that's been a challenge, but from like a nuts and bolts doing my job sort of a thing, I think it's actually been really beneficial in that Mm -hmm. I have a different perspective on sports than anyone else that's writing at ESPN right now. Um, and so the stories that I go after are different. Um, the way that I package them is different and, you know, it offers an opportunity for us to expand our audience and embrace diversity and inclusion in a way that, um, is unique at the company. Um, and so in that sense, like, you know, I think it's been a real asset. Um, and also like when it comes to getting some of those stories around the LGBTQ community, whether we're talking about trans folks or um, you know, sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, you know, me being there, it lends us a certain level of credibility. Um, and I know it's been easier for me to get some of those stories than it might've been for other people. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. And, you know, I don't for me out never look at anybody, you know, that's different, you know, I always treat people the same and regardless of, you know, what they, you know, classify themselves as. So um, you, you're a champion and a winner of my books forever. So <laughs> no problem, no problem. Um, all right. Uh, favorite WNBA jersey? That I own? Uh, just that's out right now. Oh, like the Rebels? Oh, God. Okay. This is tough. Okay, it's a tie. The Chicago Sky Explorer jersey, their away jersey, the black one with the um, blue stripe. Yeah, like looks like skyscrapers. Just Mm -hmm. so good. And then, I mean, the Indiana Fever Rebels, man. Like those are so dope. The Stranger Things jerseys, like. Yeah. I just, I love those jerseys. I also like the Minnesota Rebels. Um, those are really cool too. Yeah, um, definitely um, a lot of people that we brought on top of the podcast have always raved about the Stranger Things jersey. Uh, and then the other personal favorite the, between both me and Brady that we had was the uh, the the black uh, Chicago Sky jersey that you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And I'm still, I may have to, you know, put in an order from one of those jerseys with the uh, Candace Parker on it. So it's sad. <laughs> You're gonna be waiting a long time. You might get it before <laughs> next season. <laughs> that just broke my heart. I'm just saying, listen, I don't I don't know why it's taken forever to ship, but I do know that on Twitter everybody's complaining about how their Candace Parker jerseys have not been in fast enough. I can believe that. So so I have a feeling that you own a lot of WNBA jerseys. I don't, actually. You don't? Okay. I have some throwbacks. Um, So, like, I have an old Diana Taurasi jersey. Um, You know, I think I got it. Oh, man. I was definitely in early high school. So it's, like, maybe 15 years old, something like that. Mm -hmm. 15 or 16. Well, 14 or 15 years old. Um, So, like, I have that jersey. I have an old super jersey that I really love. Um, but I don't really, I sort of stopped buying jerseys, um, one, because they're kind of expensive. And now that I have more money, I might be interested in buying them. So I have a feeling that I'm going to 
go broke buying all of the jerseys from this year, but we'll see. You know, I think it'd be, uh, you know, well-earned or well-spent, in my opinion. That's, that's how I feel, too. Yeah. Never a bad thing. So, um, what are your top five players for both the, w- the WNBA and the NBA? And it can be now, current, it can be all-time. Oh, any... God. Okay, like top five all-time? It, it could be whatever is your top five. Okay, my top five. We're going to go all time because duh. am I limited by position? Like, does it have to be like an all team? Just my favorite players, Yo, regardless favorite players. of positions. Yeah. Yep. Favorite players. Dope. Okay. I love that. And so these are my favorite players. These are not my feelings on the best players ever. I think that's a very important distinction. That's the disclaimer right there. I'm just saying favorite <laughs> players. Okay. So in the W gotta be sue diana the sad face look oh this is so bad i'm like can i have 25 um sue diana man i loved nikki teasley growing up oh my god i love nikki teasley like just so much flair so much flavor just like really brought like this like street ball essence to the w like i just loved her so much so Nikki, actually, you know what? I'm going to amend this. Okay. So I'm going to do my top five players, my favorite players who are guards who are no longer playing in the W. <laughs> so we're not going to do Sue and Diana. So Nikki Teasley, Tisha Panchero, I loved her. Absolutely loved her. Deanna Nolan. Oh my goodness. She was like 5'10". She had hops for days. Played for the Detroit Shockman. She was just so tough. I loved her so much growing up. Um, we'll throw in Cheryl Swoops because, duh, of course. Um, last one. I'm going to make Simone Augustus a guard. Simone Augustus. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love Simone. I was also that I have my favorite guards, I suppose. Um, for the NBA, oh God, this is like, this will shock no one. I just like, don't really care about the NBA. Um, I mean, it's fine. It's, okay. like it's, ba- it's basketball. Like, yeah. so I watch it and you know, they're good. So I watch it. It's just, it doesn't like get me out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but my top, my favorite players, I suppose that have played men's basketball. All right. On a professional level. Um, it pains me to say it, but I was a huge fan of Kobe growing up. Um, I love Michael, obviously. Like, I'm just so basic. I'm like, Kobe, Michael, LeBron. No, that's, o- that's okay. Um, LeBron, Magic, Duh, and Larry. Because I'm an Indiana kid, and you gotta gotta love the Indiana people. Shout out to Larry Bird. Shout out to Larry Bird. Yeah. But no, it's it's okay. So, so some of those people from the WNBA perspective that are not playing, I'm not quite familiar with. So it's something that you just educated me on that I have to go back and look. So I became like kind of Google. like a recent. Yep, I'll, trust me. Right after we done, or maybe when I when I'm doing the edits on this podcast, I'm like, yo, she, Katie did mention this. Let me go ahead and go go check on this real quick. But uh, so yeah, I. So you just increase my my WNBA knowledge for today. I do what I can. I love it. That's the thing about like the W. Like there's so many new fans. 
And I love folks who have recently gotten on the WU bandwagon. Shout out to mm-hmm. you, Brady. Let's go. There's still time for you, homie. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there. We're getting there slowly, slowly, but surely. <laughs> There's still time. Yeah. Um, so like, I love that part of the W fandom, like that it's growing and it's exciting and it's kind of like hip, it's hot, it's trendy, you know, like mm-hmm. I like that about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also love like, you know, I grew up going to games, like ever since I was a kid. And so really? my dad would like drive me two hours to go to the fever, fever games, like probably like maybe two or three times a year. And then when the sky um, started, then we would also go to sky games because I was a huge Seattle storm fan. So I got to see them twice a year. I got very excited mm-hmm. about it. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I just watched a ton of W of WNBA games when I was younger. Um, and you know, I was seven when the league started. So like, that's been, you're just a huge part of my life as a basketball fan and as somebody who grew up playing basketball. And so I think it's dope, like getting to sort of share knowledge with folks. Like, you know, I had to learn who like Clyde Drexler was and like Dominique Wilkins was like, I didn't just walk right. around knowing who they were when I was like five years old. Yeah. Um, and so like that learning process and like, and like learning the history of the league, I think that's really exciting too. Yeah. Uh, I know I started, uh, when me and my wife started dating back in 2014, 2015, uh, I, you know, I watched Tamika's last three or two years of her careers. You know, I seen uh, my one of my more shots to kind of to isolate the 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 game. Um, one of the favorite games. Uh, yeah. Twenty thirteen, I think, was that year. Yeah. yeah, it was one of those years. So just seeing her, uh, you know, make the shot over. Uh, I forget who was. I think it was Melissa. That was going at the time. She just pump fake, one dribble, game. The whole building silence. Like <laughs> it was so. It was such a crazy experience watching that, and uh, just you know, just seeing cap having those moments and always in the back pocket. And uh, being I've been to Chicago Sky game before as well. I know one of the things that's on our bucket list is to try to go and visit. You know, all the teams and just kind of. Uh, witness the just being those arenas and stuff like that uh one of my cousins who passed away last year big uh big las vegas aces fan so uh she loved being able to go to the games and stuff like that so uh so yeah I'm, i've been trying to uh dive in and um watch watch the games when uh, when i can it's hard to do that with school and you know working and all that but just try to fit it in when i can and try to uh catch up because i want to be able to not say call myself an historian, but just be able to know, you know, identify, you know, when people uh, talked about. Um, we just recently uh, interviewed uh, Leslie Johnson, you know, former, uh, she used to play for Washington Mystics um, back in like 98, I think it was, but just being able to, you know, talk about those people and just, uh, you know, get the, the, the historical preference uh, references is also just uh, good for not only just me, but just good for uh, everyone and our listeners. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Are you, do you like football at all? Oh, yeah. Huge football. Okay. Fan. All right, let's go. So uh, Peyton Manning or Tom Brady? Oh. In what sense? <laughs> As Brady points out. Um <laughs> As in any sense, so you're you we we like to open the ask these open questions and oh you can kind of okay. Well, in terms of like who is better, Tom Brady, but who I would pick, 
Peyton all day. Let's go. Dang. Dang. I love Peyton. I got it. I got I got mad respect for Peyton, even though um, he did beat my Bears in the Super Bowl. But we're not going to talk about that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, it and then for me, it's been hard being a Bears fan over the past, at least the past year and a half or so. Now that we got Justin Fields, I was like, just a year and a half. Okay, so <laughs> it it's. Man. I have a I have a love hate relationship with the Bears right now. So mm-hmm. you and every other Bears fan. <laughs> yep, sounds about right. Yeah, shouts to Justin Fields though. I'm excited. Yeah, that's I'm I'm super excited. He gave he put the fandom back in me, so I'm excited for the mm-hmm. year. Looking forward. That's to how it. I felt when my very sad sad Dolphins drafted Tua. Like I got excited again. Like I have yeah. Dolphins memorabilia now. Okay. I previously had none. I have slippers i have uh rocks glasses yeah i've got sweat shorts i'm thrilled and a tank top we ready you go it. you sound like you ready yes now if only two i can get ready here we go <laughs> yeah I, ooh, so what were your thoughts with all the the tool for watson rumors at the time when they was was talking about it i think So I don't think people would have like lost their minds about Mm -hmm. Tua being a mediocre rookie if Justin Herbert hadn't had a fantastic season. Like Mm -hmm. give the boy some time. Like Josh Allen was boo-boo and now he's real good. He was boo-boo. I mean like truly boo-boo for two whole seasons. Like like, let's give Tua a minute, you know, like – Let's let, I mean, you know, now he's, he said that he wasn't all completely healthy last season. Like, let's just give him a minute and see how he does this season. If he's boo-boo yeah. again, whatever, we can like draft a QB. I'm just going to not worry about it. With the Watson rumors, I mean, thank God we didn't trade for Watson. <laughs> that would have been a mess. Yeah. Oof. Um, yeah. But at Deep the time, that you know what I'm saying? Like really dodged a bullet. But at the time, you know, I just felt like, the Dolphins front office had done such a good job of amassing talent and draft capital and building something like it was a, it's the first time in my life as a Dolphins fan that I have felt like, Oh wow. Organizationally we have it together. Like I have not felt this way ever. And so I just sort of am like, I just trust them to make decisions until they give me a reason to not trust them. And, and over the last like three seasons, like they've made a ton of really good decisions and we'll see how it plays out. Um, but I think, you know, like, I think it's good. Like I'm all about to, let's just make it happen. You know, we had a really solid draft, like I'm thrilled. So we'll see. Yeah, that's always been my gripe about um, the way the NFL treats, treats young quarterbacks. Like if they don't come out, the first after the year or first like two years like actually produces something they have to do it i'm like you gotta give people time like it it takes a, a lot of time to develop not every quarterback is gonna come out be like patrick mahomes people have to like get that get that straight so 
Right. And that's the thing. Like, but even Patrick Mahomes sat for a year. He sat for a whole year. He sat 15. He, the, only reason, the only reason why he started is week 16 was because the fact that they was benching everyone because they already uh, clinched for a playoff spot. Exactly. And I understand that like not every organization is in a position where they can do that. But I also think like there's this feeling that, oh, every like every young QB has to be a Patrick Mahomes. And I'm like, maybe they're like a Baker Mayfield or a Dak Prescott, which is like a solid above average quarterback. Solid. Like just a good QB that's going to manage you. Like statistically speaking, not everybody can be a Hall of Famer. Like not every QB choice is going to be an MVP. So like just, you know, go with what you have. (laughs) I just don't, I like, I don't get it. Like, I just feel like if you're hunting for like all of these diamonds, like, you're just going to end up with like a bunch of, you know, crushed dirt at the end of the day. So like, just sometimes you get lucky with like an emerald or a ruby. Those are fine gems. Use them. Those are, those are. Shout out to the Pokemon reference. <laughs> uh, going through these questions. All right. So um, if your favorite sports moment that you have either seen or witnessed. I don't know. I'm trying to think. It's like you put me on the spot and it's like blank. I'm like, sports. <laughs> when was I last in sports? What have I seen in person? What does an arena feel like? Um, I honestly don't know, but I will give you an answer from my own personal history, which is like my favorite sports moment in my career. Um, not to be like, it's all about me. It's not, but this is the only answer that I have at the moment. Um, my opening game, senior year of high school, we played quarters and I hit three buzzer beaters in that game. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was so dope. I didn't shoot the fourth one cause we beat the crap out of them, but yeah, that was pretty awesome. No, that yeah. does sound pretty awesome though. Three, three in one game. Yeah, it was incredible. All from wow. like different, like they progressively got further and further out. So like the first one was like a floater in the lane. The second one was a catch and shoot, like long three. And the third one was like bona fide half court. Man, all, all angles of the court, hit them all. Let's go. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> Man. So one of, one of our final questions that we have um, in, in here for today um, if you were able to take over any organization, in, whether it be any sport, any any level, which one would that be? Like and organization can, as like a team or like an entire league? It could be a team, entire league, organization, like whether it's like uh, like some nonprofit or whatever, it doesn't matter. You know, oh. you, you get the keys to go take over any organization doesn't matter if it's even even if it's even sports related you get the keys you can go hop in the car and drive it oh man oh i'll put me in charge of government um i'm kidding please don't (laughs) (laughs) um i'd want to i'd want to be the commissioner of the w i think like i'm just feeling it okay 
or action to scratch that i would want to be the commissioner of the nba so i could better fund the w <laughs> ah you know what? i like it i like the move next level i like it there you go well that that wraps up um, our interview for today um we thank you katie for joining us today on this podcast um, and for our listeners and viewers who are watching and listening at home, where can they find you on social media and where can they follow along with your career? Oh, yeah. Hit me up on Twitter at Katie underscore Barnes three. Same on IG. That's where you can find me. My DMs are open. I do answer them usually as long as you're not mean. Um, and yeah. And then other than that, I mean, just follow along at ESPN. That's where you'll find all my work. All right. Thank you. Um, and for those who are following us on uh, for this podcast and follow us along and viewing us um you can find us on instagram at capturing underscore the underscore game underscore pod you can find us on twitter at ctg underscore podcast and then you can search us up on youtube and facebook um at capturing the game podcast um again katie uh doesn't like to thank you for joining us today and then we hope that we can have you back on in a future episode and talk more absolutely thanks for having me